Uh, welcome everyone to a late night edition of Daybreak Crypto. Uh, I'm joined today with uh, Crypto Chem, and we're covering a couple stories on Coinbase and the stablecoin purge, as I'm calling it. But uh, you have a little info on the state of stablecoins, right, Kim? Yeah, um, I'm sure everyone's pretty much aware by now. There's quite a bit going on right now in the crypto markets, but more importantly, focus on the stablecoin market. Um, obviously, the Terra Luna experiment uh, is kind of collapsing in front of our eyes and has been over the last few days. Um, and, and this article kind of talked about Tether, right? So the one thing people, I guess, maybe don't realize is how important these stable coins are to the crypto market. Um, they're, they're an absolute necessary for people to be able to get in and out of crypto if they want to get to fiat some, or if they just want to hold on to, you know, the value of something without it being, I guess, having the volatility of the market affect, you know, however much they have. And now even their stable coins are losing value. And, and if, if USDT starts to lose peg, now we're losing really the most, the, the, I think it's the fourth largest uh, token in the entire crypto market by market cap. So obviously this is a very, very big, big thing uh, going on. Yeah. Um, well, with Tether, you know, we have a bit of a different animal because Tether will offer redemptions for their coin and they also back their coin pretty explicitly. Yeah. I believe they have billions of dollars in U.S. treasuries. So they do things, I would call it maybe a little more traditionally by trying to yes. back their stable coin with um, Terra is uh, the algorithmic side. Um I think you can get into quite an argument if you say it's not backed by anything, considering Duquan and all the Bitcoin that he's been buying up. Uh, but regardless, um, Tether is currently trading at 99.76 cents to the dollar. So they saw theirs uh, shoot down to 95 cents at the lowest. So they definitely felt some shocks. But... They've rebounded. Um, they're very strong. I guess the question is now, even if uh, Tether does recover, which it seems like they are, and then I can, you know, since 10 o'clock this morning, <laughs> um, is there something to be said about the fact that it happened once means that you can never be sure again? Like, is it one of those things where it just, it either can never happen or if it happens once, then you've lost that credibility forever? No, no, because I mean, this actually happened to Tether in 2018. This is not the first time and actually every stable coin, whether fully collateralized, over collateralized, uh, stable or sorry, algorithmic, every one of them that's really been introduced to the market has depegged at some point. So this is definitely not a first, but Tether, it, I think it took a month. After DPEG the first time, it took them about a full month to get back to PEG. And then after that, they DPEG two more times from, I guess, end of 2018 into early 2019. And when that happened, you know, they finally recovered. And since then, Tether's been, you know, one of the largest players in, in the entire crypto space. So it's definitely not a one and done. But the one thing I will say is that right now, I think every algorithmic stablecoin that's been introduced has failed. So there's something to be said about have much success in these types of markets. 
Um, and I, I even have read a bit about, I think it was in um, some of the countries back in, I think it was like the 90s, had done these type of algorithmic style um, currencies, and they didn't work out then either. So there, there might be something in the mechanism that just isn't in the cards for, you know, I think you do need some sort of collateralization to provide a backing to, to the value. Otherwise, you can't just completely rely on people to want to arbitrage and hold the peg, um, at, at least it seems. Right. I, I tend to agree with you because regardless of how exactly the Terra destabilization happened, um, if someone were to try to attack a stable coin to try to throw it off, if it's backed by something, at the end of the day, you can still offer people redemptions, one-for-one -one redemptions on the underlying. So there's just a backstop that doesn't seem to exist here Um or at least not enough of a backstop with these algorithmic ones to. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And what, what makes it interesting is like you need something that's not volatile to back your stable. Right. Cause we just saw what happened with, with Terra. They, they thought that buying Bitcoin and using that to back the stable coin would actually provide a backing. But when you think about it in, in, in practice, you have to market sell Bitcoin to, you know, to basically help hold the peg. So by market selling Bitcoin, you're putting downward pressure on Bitcoin. And Bitcoin has a strong correlation on the entire market. So if you're token or, or you're de-pegging and the market's going down, you, you're seeing what's happening. It just creates an even worse death spiral because you're, you're selling large amounts of Bitcoin to hold the peg on your token, which is then dragging down the market even more. So it's this vicious cycle, and it's clearly not something you can that's going to work in practice. So you need to have something like the U.S. dollar that is fairly stable. Um, I mean, to, I guess, U.S. dollar holders, but in general, its purchasing power is somewhat stable, I guess, compared to a volatile asset like, you know, uh, mine. Well, I mean, these are facts. 8% uh, inflation devalued by 8% versus more than what, 60% loss on Bitcoin in the last six months? I mean, I hate the comparison of dollars to Bitcoin. I just think they're fundamentally a different purpose. But the, com the, the comparison gets made all the time. And um, look, I, I think stable coins, to your earlier point, they are going to play a vital role here because some people are going to want to park money somewhere for a little bit. Some people are going to use it as a means of exchange among crypto. So, yeah, I guess... I guess you're going to have to have backing for now. Yeah. Um, I know the ultimate dream, though, is to get away from that. I guess you're going to have to figure something so else I, out. So I don't know if I'm against having a backing of some sort, right? I, I guess what I'm more concerned about, and, and here's, I think, a big distinction. I don't think everyone in crypto is against regulation. So I, I, I think people in crypto are against over-regulation. So things like this, I think it would be nice to have some sort of regulation over stablecoins, some way to prove or audit that they do have these, you know, backings if they're a fully collateralized, you know, protocol like USDT. And I don't see how that's a detriment to the, I guess, the growth of blockchain and Web3 other than at, you're probably going to have to have some sort of centralization to that process. And I understand that is what we want to get away from, but I think there has to be some sort of middle ground here because there are so many people who had their life savings in UST thinking it was safe, it was out of the market, it was away from volatility, they were making the right decision. 
and now they're sitting here with nothing. And it's just, it doesn't seem right. And we all know we're in this unregulated kind of wild west in, the, in crypto, right? Like no one's, no one is unaware of this. But at the same time, nice if we did have ways to protect people it, a little bit. I mean, everyone can make their own choices on their investments. But when you put something in a stable coin that has $18 billion of market cap, you're, you'd like to think that it's safe. But again, we're, we're proven wrong many times. Yeah, I think that if there is a future where you can have an algorithmic stablecoin, it's I think they tried too soon to completely detach from the dollar system. Um, maybe maybe we get there someday, but it, I think I mean obviously we weren't there yet. But yeah. um, well, I will say this: just one last thing. I think there's something to be said about generating fees or something to actually build a bank. Yeah. The idea of doing like a, a partially backed, uh, collateral, you know, a partially collateralized algorithmic stablecoin where you maybe start with a, a backing that covers 50% or what have you. And then over time, you generate fees to uh, through swapping or burning or what have you through the algorithmic burning mechanisms to basically build up your own treasury and backing for your, for your asset. And if you can do that and have protocol owned backing... Now you can actually redeem one for one with a U.S. dollar, and that solves this kind of issue. Now, I know there's a lot more nuance to it than that, but but generally I think that's a, a method that could be could work if if done right. Well, people are going to try again. I think um, your idea is, I mean, worth definitely trying, but uh, certainly not the end of uh, trying to come up with a new stablecoin system. But I want to move over while we got some time to the second article. Um there was a little bit of a stir that was caused uh, over the last week when Coinbase released their earnings. Uh, they're publicly traded. Their earnings disappointed. They've lost a tremendous amount of value in their stock price. But um, And that, that was the same story on their earnings release. But there was one thing in their financial statements that caught quite a few people's eye. And that was a note in their statements relating to a story we actually did a while back known as... Uh, Special Accounting Bulletin 121 from the SEC that basically laid out new requirements, new disclosure requirements by crypto companies. Among these requirements were um, essentially, it was I'd be eight or nine main ones, but it was just being more open on your financial statements with what was actually on your books, what are you custodying, uh, trying to formulate what the risks are to those assets that you're custodying. And the one that got people's attention was a note that basically said that should Coinbase enter into bankruptcy, they cannot say for sure whether or not the assets they're holding on to would be fair game for creditors to claim. And this freaked people out like a lot, and rightfully so. If I mean, when you invest in traditional investments on like Schwab, I mean, you don't think if Schwab takes a shit and goes bankrupt that you're going to lose your stocks and bonds. Uh, But what this was really saying is it's more of a disclaimer saying like, we don't know because crypto is so unregulated, even though Coinbase does play ball with a lot of regulations and obviously having stock, they're very regulated because just there isn't much of a legal precedent in the crypto space. They just, they basically said like, if we were to go into bankruptcy, not that we are, we really can't say for sure whether or not we'd be received the same treatment. And so Brian Armstrong, CEO came out and said, we're not in risk going to bankrupt, but you know, we had to say that. So 
Well, if, if, I guess I would argue that I, I don't think anyone's concerned about them going bankrupt. I, I think the concern is the fact that if it were to happen, that your assets could be put up as a creditor. When by no means did I agree to that when I signed up for Coinbase, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, but but I guess it's it's probably just a risk factor. So I, as you probably know, I I worked for a, a bit in financial reporting, doing SEC reporting for a public company. And we, we'd always have to disclose our risk factors in our 10Q, 10K, you know, whatever you're, you're filing. And you'd have to call out pretty much any risk factor that uh, is presented against your company. And so I imagine that's what where this was included. Um, and if that's the case, that's that is nothing more than just, like you said, a check the box. We have to say this. Um, our auditors told us that we should probably make this statement to make, you know, make sure that people are aware. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think it's binding by any means, and it would definitely be something that'd be worked out in court. Yeah, to me, this struck me as kind of a run-of-the-mill um, disclosure dump where a corporation ticks their boxes so that if shit ever does hit the fan, they they go back like, well, you didn't read uh, line 27C that refers to Appendix I that uh, we actually said this might happen. So, um Kind of comes with the territory of increased regulation. You get a lot <laughs> more paperwork. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I think uh, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, you know, how much people actually freaked out. I, I really can't say. I mean, for all I know, most people took this for what it was. But I mean, Brian Armstrong felt the need to come out and reassure people, look, we are not going bankrupt, even though our stock is down like 70 percent. They still have so much cash on hand. The actual amount of secure, un, sorry, senior unsecured debt that is on their books is about two to three billion. Meanwhile, they hold about 200 to 300 billion dollars worth of assets in custody and they have a shit ton of cash on hand. So even worst case scenario, if you had a thousand dollars on Coinbase, I mean, not that you're supposed to feel good about this, but you're probably looking at losing maybe uh, less than a hundred bucks, probably less than 50, probably even less than that. So um, thankfully they're a well-capitalized company, but yeah, this is just kind of a, you know. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, the thing with Coinbase is they they really have no choice. They have to be friends with the regulators, or else we'll never have anything in crypto make it to that that level of mainstream where we can onboard new users or just maybe people who've never even heard of crypto into this space and have them learn. So as much as I dislike the company for a lot of their practices, um, I, I do understand that they have a role in the in the greater crypto space and the growth of it. So hoping that they can figure out ways to kind of, you know, to be a little bit more user-friendly and less regulator-friendly. But again, I know it's early and they're just trying to stay out of the line of sight of the SEC because we've seen what they can do to companies if they don't want you to, to run a business. Well, they're in an especially vulnerable place since they're publicly listed. They have to, um, you know, like any public company, they're subject to the investigation and the rules of the SEC, but they have tried to diversify their business away from just their capital markets and trading, and they've been unsuccessful. So when all you do is, you know, earn fees off of trading, entering into a crypto winter, knock on wood, I hope we're not, but um, where you see the number of transactions fall and the amount of transactions fall, you're pretty much locked into a business that's losing you money, which is why their stock's down 70%. So without the ability to diversify your services, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to you got to kiss the feet of the SEC and just hope that you don't get slapped with a just another reason to piss off your owners. But I mean, it is. What it is. Um, all right. Well, I uh, 
appreciate you hopping on today, bud. I think uh, your earlier story is one of many we'll probably be covering with the saga of the stable coins. But um, yeah, otherwise, good to talk to you. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, bright and early.